0: What a great love story. Amen. Aren't you glad you're part of it? <clears throat> it's hard to imagine in one way that our lives are <clears throat> so intertwined around his, his grace and his mercy that he wanted to extend to us. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Certainly counted a great privilege for us to be able to be together to get today and once again see what the Lord will say to us and do for us. In this hour of terrible spiritual darkness that's on the earth, we're grateful that we're still able to walk in light, are we not? Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, if you would, today, chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The apostle and high priest of our profession. Look at the meaning of this word profession. It means confession, subjectively it means whom we profess to be ours. What one professes or confesses. So he is the apostle and the high priest of our profession. So the word simply means to say the same thing. Now just give you a little bit of a background where Paul was coming from when he wrote this. That there was in the days of the high priest and there was the regular priesthood which was of the Levitical order. But the high priest alone could go in on the day of atonement to make atonement for the people of God. So he went in one time a year. He would go in and out, in and out, in and out seven times on that particular day. Before he would go in, the elders of the Sanhedrin, which was the overseeing body of the Jews, they would come to him and they would tell him, great apostle and messenger of God. You are going into God's presence to represent us. So they would place their faith and confidence in this man that he had lived the right kind of life. And that he would be able to represent them before God. So Paul is taken from this. Now he tells us we have an apostle and a messenger in God's presence. So as they confessed and professed that he represented them. So we confess our Lord Jesus represents us. In verse 2, who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray? Have a need, a request, a desire in your heart? Lord Jesus, we profess first of all today that you are our high priest. We do not come to a man. We do not come to a system or a church. But we come to you today. We believe that you represent us in heaven. Therefore, we bring our needs, our desires, our requests before your presence right now. We're asking, great apostle, great high priest of God, that you would mediate for us today. Not only just as we pray, but as we endeavor to break your word and open it up. May you mediate on our behalf. Open to us the scriptures. Open to us your word. Well, we know out of the Word comes the abundance of power to help us to live the right kind of life. We can quote the Word 24-7, but if the power in the Word is never released to us, it doesn't do us a lot of good. So help us today. Mediate on our behalf. Speak to us, Father, as only you can do. We commit the hearers of the Word, the speaker, all of it into your great charge today. In the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know that you already are aware of it, but until he came, there was never a priest like the Lord Jesus. It was forbidden by God's law for any of the kings of Israel to ever cross the line of being priest and king in the same position. We know that Uzziah got in great trouble with God because he tried to do such. There were several different ones down through the Jewish history that did. So they tried to mix both king and priesthood. Now, to you, you may look at it and think, what was such a big deal? The big deal was God was going to be the first one and the only one that would be able to do this. So whenever we are able to look at our Lord Jesus today and know that he is not only our king, but he is our mediator. He is the one that intercedes for us whenever we are sick, afflicted, weary, whatever it is that we have need of, he's the one that can do it. It is the merging together of the divine slash Human high priest. There was never such on the earth before. A high priest, all of them, of course, were human. But he was the first one to be divine and human at the same time. In order to bridge the gap so that once he ascended back into the presence of God, even though he was glorified and deity had embodied him again, he would never get away from the human memory of experiencing what humanity is really like. I'm so grateful for that today. I know you are too. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Now, unlike Abiathar, unlike Aaron, unlike any of the other priests that ever existed through the Jewish line, none of them could ever ascend into heaven. Now, there was a foreshadowing of this, of course, in the Old Testament. And when Abraham met the great Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, which was Jerusalem. And it was, we know, God in the form of a theophany that appeared, theophany in form of a man. And it was something that was a mystery. And it had been for thousands of years until the end time when it was revealed. But here Paul is emphatic. Now remember the title of this book is the Hebrews. So it was to Hebrew people that had become converted by the new birth. You imagine what a struggle that some of them must have had. That accepting a man like Jesus. Now for you and I, we look back through, uh, through 2,000 years and we know who he was. But can you imagine being there a Jew in that day, a Hebrew in that day, and oh, you heard about where this guy was born. You actually went around by the cave where his mother gave birth to him. You went by the house where he was raised. You went by the place in Capernaum where he had preached in the synagogue. By this time, it had not yet been destroyed. You went by Peter's house, which is just a stone's throw from where the synagogue was, compared to him We stood there a few years ago. And they found it just a few years back. And they dug around and actually found Peter's house, where Jesus went in there in Peter's house and laid his hands on his mother-in-law, and she was healed. And you saw the boats that it actually stood on to fish in. And then in your mind, you've got to accept the fact that this was actually God in a human form. It must have been a very difficult thing unless, of course, you had the Holy Ghost. So this letter, whenever you see the setting of it that was actually written to Hebrews, people that had been their whole life under the influence of Moses, their whole life under the influence of the prophets and the Torah, and now they're trying to accept that some man that had walked among them was that mighty God of the Old Testament. So Paul wanted to make sure that by the Spirit of God, he covered every aspect that God would give him. So now he goes again into the order of the high priest, and he said, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Notice he doesn't refer to him as Jesus, the Son of Joseph, because he wasn't. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, here we have a high priest that has passed into the presence of God. And because we have that, now let us hold fast, hold fast our profession or confession to who? The Lord Jesus. Notice now, let us hold fast our profession. So, verse 14 does not say, let us hold fast our Holy Ghost or let us hold fast our salvation Or let us hold fast our favorite church seat or our favorite church pew. But let us hold fast our profession. Why would we need to hear these words? Because there's going to be many things that's going to try to take our profession away from us. Now, what will our profession be? It will be our confession and who we believe that he is and who we are in him. You understand? Now, it's more than just saying, well, I'm a Christian. I I believe the Lord. I accept the message of the hour. I believe I'm going in the rapture. Anybody can do that mentally and that never strike their soul. But the type of profession that we must hold fast is one that God himself has revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. And once that is there, even though we have it, we still must hold on to it. Why? Because symptoms, sickness, all types of negative things around us will do its best to take it away from us. Anybody ever lost that? Oh, yeah. You know, you can imagine now that he would write to them and say, let us hold fast that profession. So it has to do with the believer's testimony of what he believes that Jesus is, but it also has to do with what the believer believes that he is in Christ Jesus. Now, the Jews in the Old Testament were a type of this in that they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And God, the Bible tells us that God actually led them a a different way. Now, there was a more direct path that would have led them straight away to the promised land. But if they would have went straight away from crossing out of Egypt, straight by the way the Coralwood Flies would say, they would have went more direct. They could have been there in a very short time. But had they went that way, it was the most civilized trade route in the known world at that time. So they would have fought the most tremendous battle. So the Bible says that God led them another way lest they would become discouraged in the way because of war. So God led them the long way around and they thought, why are we going this way? No doubt some of them knew the trade routes. They knew the shortest path to this land. And it could not understand. They couldn't make no sense out of the whole scenario. Why would God lead them way around this way? He did it for their own good. And I'll tell you, there's times he leads you and I the same way, and we try to contemplate it, figure it out, and just be honest with me today, most of the time we don't. We just say, I don't understand, I don't understand. But if you could look out there, he's got a giant he's sparing you from, he's got another trial he's sparing you from, and it's actually for our good that he's doing it this way. But he doesn't always tell us that, he wants us to trust him. So what the Jews lost as they were in this transitory time and they're moving from the land of Egypt into the promised land, what they lost was their confession. They lost their confession that the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt, the God that gave them the token under the administration of the prophet Moses, that same God was going to lead them to the land. But what left first? Their confession. He's forgot us. He's not with us anymore. Where is he? We can't find him. We can't see him. We can't feel him. What did they lose? They lost their confession. Now, remember the prophet tells us that God never left them, but they left him. But it had to begin within their heart before they would physically leave him. So where was one of the first aspects that they left him? They left him in their confession. That he loved them, that he cared for them, and he brought them out with a mighty hand. And if he brought them out, you see, redemption actually has two parts. And the first part is coming out, and the second part is going into. A person can believe God can bring them from the world. God can bring them from a life of drinking and a life of drug addiction and a life of all kinds of things. And many people accept the Lord Jesus on that basis, but they never go any further All they do is just confess, well, he's my Savior. He's my Savior, and I love him, and I no longer belong to the devil. But they never become a disciple. They never go any farther in Christ Jesus. Don't you understand the rapture is for those who are not just saved from sin. It is for those who become one with Christ Jesus in the Word. Now, you realize that for, for the children of Israel, they could testify things most of us have never even seen in our life. The miracles that God did in the land of Egypt had never been done before and have never been replicated exactly like they were then. And they could stand up and have a testimony meeting, boy, didn't we see God do something. God done this and God done that and God done something else. And yet they begin to get away from their confession. That they believed that God that brought them out could take them in. So where did they run into issues? Believing that God had brought them out? No. Believing God would continue to take them in. I wonder if some of us aren't in the same place today. Oh, yeah, he saved me from sin. I was lost. I used to drink. I used to do this and that. But I, I just don't know if he can take me on in or not. I just don't know if he can finish this work. If you're not careful, there is where you will lose your confession. I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with that. I, it didn't bother me when I was a sinner. Of course not. You was a hog in the pig lot. You was eating slop, you was eating junk, you was eating all kinds of old trashy things that matched your nature, and now you've come out of that, but don't lose your confession in Christ Jesus. How many believes the same God that brought you out can bring you in? Well, if he can't, he's a puny God, I'll tell you that this morning. But they begin to lose their confession. I want you to notice then the Paul goes on to say in Hebrews 4, 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Again, look at this word. Weakness, disease, sickness, want of strength, feebleness of health or sickness or of the soul. Now, can you imagine? In order for him to be a high priest that could be able to understand people of infirmity, he himself must also become infirm. So Jesus became sick. Jesus became weary. Jesus became oppressed. I hope you understand this. Jesus actually allowed himself to feel depressed, He allowed himself to feel the depths of sadness and heartache and sorrow. You understand that? He must feel infirmity to help the infirmed. Now, you know, no matter how great a person can quote the Scripture and quote the Word, I I, I don't necessarily, if I'm in the time of need and if I'm really going through something and I want somebody to pray, I don't really care if they're a theologian or not. I don't care if they can quote the Scripture word by word and tell me all the diphthongs of the Greek and they can quote the Aramaic and tell me where the Word comes from. Uh, What I want is somebody that can touch God. Now, you know yourself, if you've ever had anything in your life, those of you that's had kidney stones or say cancer, you go through something, there's something about having that yourself or your wife or your daughter or your children. It changes your view from that point on. Anytime you hear of anybody having that, it touches a part of you that was never touched before. Come on, say amen. You know it's the truth because it does something to you. Well, that's the way God had to become himself. He had to become that. He knew it because he knew all things. But he never experienced it until he experienced it in the divine human relationship that he did in Christ Jesus. So then we have a high priest himself who was infirm and felt sad and felt lonely. You imagine how disappointed Jesus must have been in the apostles. How many ever been disappointed with people? Friends, family members, loved ones. Sure, we all have. Can you imagine how disappointed the Lord Jesus was in his disciples? How disappointed he was in people that he loved and that he tried to lead them to the truth and and they're fussing and arguing along the way because they're trying to figure out who's going to be the bishop when Jesus is gone. Who's going to be the Big man, when Jesus is gone. You're talking about disappointing. Oh my. Some of the greatest disappointments that I experience as a pastor, as a servant of God, it's not from sinners out here. I expect them to run me down, I expect them to talk about me, I expect them to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But what becomes so heartbreaking and disappointment to me is people who say they love you. Christians who say they love you, you know what I'm talking about? It's like we don't expect very much from the sinners that we work with and go to school with. But what breaks our heart the most when Christians will sneak around behind our back and talk about us or betray us or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Then what does that do? Say, I thought they was a Christian. I thought they was a brother. I thought she loved me. I thought he loved me. Can you imagine the disappointment that Jesus must have felt in people so when you and I feel that way we have a high priest that we can go to we can just be honest with him and say Lord I don't understand my sister said this my brother did that Lord I need your help before he come to this earth he could not relate and say I understand Dave I understand I understand what you're going through but now when you go to him he can answer back and say I know exactly what you feel because one of my preachers actually sold me out to the Sanhedrin it was one of my preachers that I anointed one of my 12 closest apostles that I called them and chose them that forsook me and betrayed me I understand how you feel Notice then again in Paul, whenever he says this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. How many needs mercy? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Don't, friend, get in your mind that the only time that you need grace is associated with sin. no. We limit God so much when we think, well, the only reason I need grace is whenever I've sinned and done wrong. No, you need grace every time you have a need. Don't you notice, Paul does not put this just about repentance of sin, but he says, find grace to help in the time of need. As a matter of fact, the more I look at this, the more I realize I need grace every day of my life. I need grace to overcome. I need grace to live right. I need grace to forgive. I need grace when I need forgiven. You understand? So we find grace to help in the time of need. Watch again Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. Paul said, let us hold fast. Here he goes again with the same words. Let us hold fast the profession. And again, the word hold there means to take by or be powerful. To be chief, be master of. So God wants us to be master of our profession or our confession. So God don't want circumstance or events, or what people say, or even your mistakes or your failures to be the master of your confession. Well, I'm nothing but a failure. I'll never amount to nothing. I'll never go on the rapture. They don't need me at the church, nobody loves me. Nobody even speaks to me, I ain't no good. I guess I'll just quit, do you understand? Somebody else has got a hold of your tongue. Well, come on now, but Paul said what you need to do is be the master of your confession. I wish somebody would say amen. Amen. Be the master to rule, to seize, to lay hands on in order to get one, to get him into one's power. So God wants us to lay hands on our mouth, lay hands on our confession, lay hands on our profession and say, shut up, shut up that negative stuff. God saved you, God sanctified you, God gave you the Holy Ghost. He loves you, He cares for you. You have value, you have worth. Oh my. Now remember, this is definitely not mind over matter, but there is a truth to the understanding of the psyche. Now this may blow you plumb out of your pew today, or your seat, but the prophet uses this word psyche Because the people in his day actually thought that he was a mind reader. So he would be able to stand up and tell the people that they lived on this certain address. There's three steps going up to your apartment where you live. I see your address, 2309 West so-and-so. You went to a doctor, heavyset guy wore glasses. He told you this and that and the other. You can imagine the people thinking, this guy's a witch. I mean, this guy's nothing, but he's just a sorcerer or something like that. So he had to use this word psyche and explain to them that it's exactly a part of our being that God made us that way. And oh, it'd be wonderful if we lived under the anointing 24-7, but we don't, do we? We don't always overcome under the anointing. As a matter of fact, most of my overcoming is without the anointing, without feeling one thing. But I stand on the word whether I feel it or whether I don't. But yet our mind, what we feed on, What we, the appetite, the diet that we feed into our spirit is much of what we become in life. Now you say, Brother Donnie, here you go, and that mind will part, mind over matter. No, it's not mind over matter. Notice this, the prophet says it this way. God can't do nothing till you first confess that he is. Now I want you to notice how your confession actually is tied to what the Lord Jesus does and says about you in heaven. Now remember, he is our high priest, so we want to go to him this morning as the Sanhedrin did to the Old Testament high priest, and we want to lay at the feet of our high priest our confession and say, this is what we believe you are to us, and this is what we believe we are to you. Now, we want you to act on our behalf. Now, remember, this is what the high priest would do. So they would come, oh, apostle of God, messenger of God, we believe that you're going into the holy place. You will represent us. Now, remember, he walks in there with the ephod on him. He walks in there with the breastplate on him. The breastplate actually was something that was worse, sort of like a vest, something like this, except it had 12 stones across through here, four rows of three. It was a birthstone of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So they would have their names engraved on each one. It was when the light of God would shine upon that stone, it was the Urim Thummim. So the light of God would shine upon it and these supernatural colors would reflect from the high priest's heart because the light of God shined on this and the mixing together of these stones, which is the foreshadowing of the city you're gonna live in, then when the rainbow colors come back, it was showing that Israel was God's covenant people. So he walked in there representing them. So their name was on his heart. Their name was on this stone. So here was Issachar, Zebulun, Judah, Levi, Nephtali, all the different ones. They couldn't go in there themselves, but they went by representation. So their names was under the tribe. Every individual name was not there, but every name that was identified in the tribe of Naphtali or Judah or Issachar or whoever more, you was identified if you was a Jew under that birthstone. Praise the Lord. Well, if God could do that in the Old Testament, what about the Lord Jesus? He did not wear our names on a vest, as it were. He did not wear our names on an ephod, but he said, your names are engraved in the palm of my hand. So when he goes before spirit God, he goes by representation to represent every one of us. That's the kind of high priest we have today. Now, what is he going to say? Well the high priest would walk in there on the day of atonement and he would say oh Lord God oh Yahweh I don't I I come here today to represent your people I bring this blood of the atonement please forgive your people one man is repenting for the whole nation One man by representation has the right to stand before God. And if there's 2 million people standing outside of that tabernacle, 2 million people that believed that one high priest prayed and every one of their sins were forgiven in an instant by the prayer of one man. Oh, hallelujah. If a high priest could do that, what can the Lord Jesus do for us today? But you see, they must believe. They had to trust. They had to believe. Now, if they try to figure it out in their mind, now how is that even possible? How can one man go in there and represent me and Scott and everybody else, and that one man is gonna pray and I'm gonna be forgiven? How is that even possible? They probably couldn't figure it out no more than we could, but they had to believe it and they had to confess it, I believe. I believe when that high priest goes in there, I am forgiven. I believe when he walks in there, I don't understand it, I don't understand how it works, but I believe when he walks in there, my sins are annihilated. So their profession much match his office. I want you to listen to this. I hope you understand that some of these modern day guys that preach this positive confession stuff, this is being preached before some of them was ever preachers. You know where some of them got it? From a prophet of God. Oh, they'll never tell it, but that's where they got it. Notice, God can't do nothing till you first confess that he is. Then when you confess it, then believe it, act upon it, stay with it, and God will bring you out. Notice again, he said, now he's the high priest of our confession. You get what I mean? What you confess you are, that's what you are. Now the Lord Jesus will never match your confession in heaven if you're saying, I'm defeated. I'm no good. There's no way out. I'll never get through this. I'll never be victorious. I'll just barely hang on from one service to the next. You do not have a high priest that echoes in heaven before the throne of God, that type of testimony. So when you're saying that, he's saying nothing about you. Is that what you want? Do you want when you are praying to him that he can't even respond because your testimony does not match his thought of you. So his thought of you is you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. His thought of you is you are one of his attributes. He loved you before the foundation of the world, but you're saying something totally opposite so he cannot echo your confession in heaven because you're not saying what he thought. You're saying what you think, not what he thinks. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, I want you to notice this. Any man will never live any further or any higher than what he believes he's living. So, you'll never live any higher than what you believe you're living. Again, he says, remember he can never do nothing for you until first you say he's done it. Oh, Brother Donnie, my marriage is in awful shape. My, My wife, she's gone too far this time. I'll tell you one thing, my husband has gone too far. I'll never be able to forgive him. Do you know what just come out of your mouth? You'll never be able to forgive him or forgive her, never. Never is a long time. You might say, I'm struggling to do it and I need God's help. That's one thing. But don't never say, never. Don't never say, I'll never go to church again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. If you're gonna say never, say it this way. I'll never again testify of the devil. I'll never again let the devil control my confession. I'll never again let Satan lie to me. And me take that as who I am. Isn't it amazing? We're not very good at those nevers. We're so good at never forgiving and never this and never that. But when it comes to the devil, it just seems like it's natural for us to never, never, never. Remember, the Lord Jesus can never do nothing for you until first you say he's done it. Believe him and accept him and testify. Do you know that? He's the high priest of what? Confession. Now, he quotes the scripture we just read. Hebrews C 1. Now, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father to make intercession upon our confession. So he's not sitting there to make intercession upon what he wants. The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But will all come to repentance? Why? Because God wants them to go to hell? Because God wants them to see, he wants to see them burn in a lake of fire. No, it's not his will. It's not his desire. It's not his purpose. That the biggest drunk, the biggest liar, the biggest whatever out here in Johnson City, it's not God's will that that man or woman go to hell and burn and burn and burn. That's not God's will. But why do they not receive it? Because they, well, I came to it. I've been to church and I've seen a bunch of hypocrites. I agree there's a bunch of hypocrites in church, but everybody in church ain't hypocrites. And if you let the hypocrites stand between you and God, they're closer to God than you are. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of hypocrites. There's a lot of folks that don't live it, but that ain't got nothing to do with me. That ain't got nothing to do with you. There's hypocrites, but we just move right around them, and we keep serving God with all of our hearts. Now, hypocrites ain't nothing but a scarecrow to try to keep you from eating butter bees. What you need to do is do like the little groundhog did when the prophet was out there planting butter beans in his garden and he would plant them out there and the groundhog would come through and eat them. He'd go back and plant them again. The groundhog would come through there and eat him. So he put out a scarecrow and he put that scarecrow on. Boy, it scared the little, that little groundhog for a bit, but after a while he got used to it. So it would rattle and make faces and he got to where he'd just go right around it. Well, that's what you and I need to do with hypocrites, liars, whoremongers, and whatever more. Why can you believe so-and-so goes to church over there? Well, right here's a good place for so and so to be changed. Right here's a brother, Donnie, there's people that come to the church that drink and don't do right. Don't you think I don't know that? But I figure they're better off coming here than they are to a bar on Sunday morning. They're better off coming here. Well, somebody preach with me today. They can get their lives changed here. They can get their souls changed here by the grace of God. Now, notice he said he's before the Father to make good anything that we confess in the redemptive blessings, of course. So, you mean God Almighty can't do anything for me until first I say he can do it. <laughs> wow. Now, remember, it isn't how much you cry. It isn't how much you pray repent. It isn't how loud you can cry to God. It isn't how sincere you can be. It's how much faith you have when you come to him. He doesn't save you on the merits of your prayer. He doesn't save you on the merits of your righteousness. He saves you upon the merits of your faith. It's by faith are you saved? And that through grace. Amen. Well, God, I, 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 I live right. I don't cut my hair and Lord. I, I don't cheat and I don't lie. Lord, I need heal, so I want you to heal me on this basis. I pay my tithe. That ain't the way he heals you. He heals you on the basis of your faith in his promised word. Amen. And then you start telling him what you believe. By your stripes, I was healed. Can you imagine Isaiah writing such a thing? He writes that hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus ever died, and Isaiah puts it in the past tense, and by whose stripes we are healed. He put it in the past tense before the present tense ever declared it. Oh, you say, you people are crazy. Well, if we are, we're enjoying the blessings of God you know imagine Isaiah writing that brother Scott and saying before the Lord Jesus ever died by his stripes we are already healed a real believer in faith and the promise of the word they can have every symptom they can be dealing with all types of negative things but down inside of their heart their confession is still by his stripes I am healed but you got a terrible headache by his stripes I am healed but you still ain't got your voice back list but by his stripes I am healed. Heal, But Erica, you're still dealing with symptoms, but by his tribe, I am already healed. Those of you sitting here today fighting this and that and the other, by his tribe, I am already healed. The work has already been done. That's my confession. Now high priest, go into the presence of God and repeat what I say. We've heard it preached for decades. The opening of the word, the third pull, speaking the word. Well, here's your chance. Forget squirrels. I don't need squirrels. I need healing. I need deliverance. Forget me controlling the lightning and the thunder. I don't need that. I need wisdom to guide God's people. I need strength. Oh, hallelujah. How many understands what I'm saying? Oh, my. Listen to this, friend, how he narrows this down. He can't do nothing, nothing for you until you confess it. Nothing for you until you confess it. Is that right? For he is the high priest of conjunction of your confession, he can do nothing. You can confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. What you say I done here for you, that's what I say, the Father, that you, that I have done for you. So what you say on earth, when it aligns with his word, he says it in heaven, before the throne of God on your behalf. Not just that you're forgiven. This is not just for folks getting saved. This is not just for green Christians, young converts, that's just come to Christ. How can a sinner know these things to get saved? He can't, but this is for people that's been saved, and people that should be disciples of the Lord. And then you say, well, the blessings have slowed down since I got saved. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to learn how to manifest what he's called you to be. And he wants you to learn that he reciprocates in heaven with you. So your conversation on the earth can be repeated by the Lord Jesus before the throne of God. Can you imagine The Lord Jesus wanting to take your words before Father God. He's not wanting to stand there, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, please heal me. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus. That's when you got saved. But now that you're a son or daughter of God, he wants you down here in the middle of hell, in the middle of battles, in the middle of troubles to quote his word. And then Jesus wants to quote Lord God. He's the high priest. You get that young man there. hear the prophet speaking to a young man there that's got a need. You get that young man, the high priest of your confession setting to make intercessions on my confession. I have a right to confess that he's done anything for me that's in the redemptive blessings. There you are. He can, can't do nothing for you. Until you first confess it. He's the high priest of your confession, not his. Don't you understand? It's not Santa. They are mine. They are mine. I claim them. I love them. I forgive them. I died for them. That's already been settled. But he's waiting on us. You imagine day in and day out, Brother Paul, he says, give me something, children. Give me something to take before Father today. Sister Judy, give me something that I can tell him, give me something young people that I can tell father, let me express to father your faithfulness, your symptoms are worse than what they were when brother Donnie or brother Darrell prayed for you but give me something that I can tell father so I can tell father you're still holding fast to your profession, tell me something to tell him Oh, I'm down, I'm weary, I'm no good. I got prayed for yesterday and my symptoms is worse. I don't know if I'll even go back or not. So you give Jesus all this to say and Jesus says absolutely nothing. You're saying, Lord, what's going on? He says, I can't repeat that. I cannot say that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Listen to this. Believest thou this? He cannot intercede for you until first you confess. It's already done by faith. For he is the high priest of your confession. Not the high priest of your salvation. Not the high priest of your mercy. Not the high priest of your, oh, i got the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord, i got the Holy Ghost. But he's the high priest of your confession. We say, how often should I do this? However often you need it. Four times a day? Forty would probably be more like it. Or 400. Hey, look, we're going to say something. Okay, we're gonna say something. Most of us have got a mouth and we know how to use that tongue in our fat mouth. And we say so much negative stuff and so much stuff that ain't worth nothing. If you're gonna put a bunch of stuff on Facebook, why don't you put your confession on that? I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. It may not look it like, like it now, but I am a complete overcomer in Christ Jesus. It may look like this disease has gotten my body, but I want everybody to know by his stripes I am already healed. It may look like I'm a loser, but I want every devil in hell to know I am a winner. And Jesus echoes it in heaven. You hear that, Father? He is a winner. She is healed. She is delivered. And Jesus is a high priest of your confession. Confession. You'll imagine when you give him that and he says, give me more, give me more, give me more that I can say on your behalf. He's the high priest of your confession sitting at the right hand of the father, making good what you're confessing. Now, that's the same thing it is about healing. You accept him as your healer. Renounce your feelings. Now, that's hard to do when you got a headache that's nearly blinding you. You got a migraine or you got this or that or the other and you're dealing with it, it seems like it's about to get the best of you, but renounce them. Right in the middle of pain, speak to your body and say, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. You imagine the Lord Jesus and Papa, Father. Did you hear that? She's so sick, she can hardly stand it. He's holding his head. He's in such pain. Did you hear what he said? He renounced his feelings. He renounced his anxiety. Tell me how many days the Lord Jesus ain't had a whole lot to do, as far as some of us is concerned. You're just sitting around, you know? What you waiting on? I'm waiting on Donnie. I'm waiting on John. I'm waiting on Janet. I'm waiting on Keith. What you waiting on him for? I'm waiting on him to give me some good stuff to say. I'm waiting on Esther. I, I, I'm waiting on Mike, I'm waiting on Harry, I'm waiting on Daniel, I'm waiting on my sons and my daughters around the world. Give me something to work with youngs. Give me something to work with. Don't let him set up there in heaven, I but give him something to work with. <laughs> <sighs> Glory to God. It's the same thing by healing. You accept him as your healer. Renounce your feelings. It's not my feelings, it's my faith. Say you're healed, believe you're healed, act like you're healed. Say you're healed, believe you're healed, act like you're healed. Associate with those who believe in healing. Amen associate with those who believe in healing. I like to associate with those that believe in a supernatural God. I like to associate with those that believe God still heals the sick and God still performs miracles. Come on, friends. I don't want to associate with a bunch of people that say, well, God, don't do it no more. I ain't going to hang around them long. Well, we can have revival in our day. Oh, yes, we can. We can have a bride's revival, which is not just emotion, but it anoints you to live a Life that lines up with the Word. Say you're healed, believe you're healed, act like you're healed. Associate with those that believe in healing, and God will bring you right out to a perfect soundness of health. It will not fail. I want you to listen to this next one. When you confess him and he confesses you. (laughs) Well, you see, you think, I would have thought he'd have better things to talk about in heaven than me. There is nothing Any more he wants to talk about than you. So can you imagine, brother, when we're confessing him, he's my healer, he's my savior, he's my deliverer. And while we're confessing him, he's confessing us. Boy, I'll tell you one thing, if I was the devil, I guarantee you I'd try to take y'all's confession away from me. I try to get you all to believe there ain't no power in your words. I try to get you all convinced, oh, that's just an old, worked up old preacher, is all it is. He's just all beside himself. It ain't got nothing to do with me, it's got something to do with God's word. This is the same prophet of God that God worked with in supernatural signs and wonders that has never been anything like it on the earth. He didn't just come with miracles. he came with a message. This is part of the message. This is what separates us from the rest of the church world. A message to get us out of here. Don't you understand why the bride is gonna be so different going in the rapture? She's becoming the word. As you feed on the word, you walk by the word every day. You confess the word, you live the word, and you talk about the rapture. Well, if there is one, I won't be it. Don't you never say that. The rapture is for you. The millennium is for you. The future home is for you. And God will pull you into it by his power. (sighs) When you confess him and he confesses you, He's a high priest working on what? Not on your crying. Not on your repenting. Not on your faith. Wow. You can have all the faiths in the world, but if you keep your mouth shut about it, Jesus don't work on your silent faith. He works on your confession. He's a high priest working on what? Not on your crying, not on your repenting, not on your faith, but on your confession. No matter how much faith you got, it'll never do you any good till you put works with it. For faith without works is dead. He cannot heal you or cannot save you or do one thing for you until first you accept it and believe it and confess it. A, B, C. Accept, believe, confess. What does A, B, C produce? Salvation, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing from cancer, healing from malaria. You say malaria? Yeah, malaria. I've told you about it before. Years ago when I was there in Kenya under a big tree having church, And the spirit of God moved for a young man there that had malaria. You know the thing about the doctors, you know, they'll tell you once you have it, you'll never get rid of it. But that ain't what God said. That young man believed this white preacher from America running around under that big tree, telling him that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. You know what happened to that young man? God so healed him that he didn't leave any sign of it even inside of his body to this day. As a matter of fact, that young man has started preaching the gospel. And I got a thing from him the other day, One to testify and said thank you for preaching the truth because I am alive today and preaching to others. And I got a YouTube video to where this brother was witnessing of the power of God Why he chose to believe God's report. Are you going to believe your oncologist? Are you going to believe your high blood pressure doctor or your low blood pressure doctor? Or are you going to believe what Jesus said? By his stripes I am healed. By his power I am Delivered, I am set free, but I can't get free of this marijuana. Yes, you can. I can't get free of alcohol. Yes, you can. If you'll come to the mighty God and go to confessing His Word, (sighs) Hebrews 3 1 said, He's the high priest of our confession, in other words. He makes intercessions upon our confession. What we confess that he is, that's what he confesses that we are. (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. So I confess him, and he confesses me. I confess what he is, and he turns right around and confesses what I am. You ain't getting it, are you? You're not getting it. It's just like it goes into your mind and some of y'all suddenly your brain just jumping around like this, having, you know, these, oh, oh, uh, Brother Donnie, how can that be? How can that be? It's too simple. It is very, very simple. But if God will open our hearts this morning, we'll walk out of these doors different people than we came into those doors. We can walk out of realm but I don't feel it. You'll say, whether I feel it or whether I don't, by his stripes I am healed. Whether I feel it or whether I don't, I am more than a conqueror. Hell is not gonna stop me. The devil is not gonna stop me. I am one of the spoken words of God. What we confess that he is, that's what he confesses, that we are. Brothers, let's jump down through some of these notes here. Go down here past the quotes. But I don't know what to say. You're going to after we're done here in a few minutes. You say you done said that Sunday, but these are some new ones for you. Hell had a frying time last Sunday. I'm telling you what, the devil has been crying around down in hell and them demons have been crying around down in hell. That's why some of y'all have been attacked this whole week. Anybody been attacked this week? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I guarantee you. Why? Because Satan hates the truth of the word of God. I can stand up here and preach about the cross for every Sunday from now until the millennium comes, but for most of us, we have done received the power of the cross. I can stand up here and preach about the law and preach about Moses and all that's good, but I wanna bring to you something that you need for the hour you're living and for the battles that you are fighting, if I can help you see who you are and help you see who he is in you, oh my, the devil is no match for you then, brother, sister. We are an invincible army, but only when we know who we are and where we stand in God's promise. I think of Russia just a year ago this week when they attacked Ukraine. And they thought within a couple of weeks, some of the greatest war, people that study war from Europe, from America, they give Ukraine maybe a month, maybe two. Some of the great generals and this and that said, there ain't no way Ukraine will be able to withstand them. Here we are a year later, and they are wearing them Russians out. They are wearing them out. They're undergunned. they're under-missiled, they're under-binoculared, they're under in every way possible, but they have got a territory. You know what, the Russians are the aggressors, but the Ukrainians are fighting for their ground, like you're fighting for your child, and you're fighting for your husband or your girlfriend, or you're fighting for your health, and the devil said, oh, I'll get him. You stand up there, you little spiritual Ukrainian, drop your little m sixteen. <laughs> Get out of here, devil. And when the devil drinks a glass of tea, let it pour out of him like a sieve, hallelujah. You stand right there and say, you want more? Come on back, come on back. I ain't talking about just the preachers. I'm talking about the women, the young ladies, the young men, every man, woman, boy and girl that can identify their place in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna give you a little bit more to add to your atomic arsenal. I am strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm gonna give you some scripture references here where you can write them down. Ephesians 6.10. I'm a chosen generation and a royal priesthood, holy and special. God hides me in a secret place. I abide in the shadow of his presence. God is my safe place. I go to him because I trust him. In times of mourning, the Lord shall give me comfort. I seek the Lord, he hears me and delivers me from all my fears. My heart will not be troubled or be afraid. God has given me peace. I wish somebody would say amen. what a church we would be if we would replace all this negative stuff, all this sickness stuff, all this sadness stuff, and give Jesus so much imagine that next week the Lord Jesus is gonna say, Donnie, you must have done a good job. Your people have overwhelmed me this week. They They have overwhelmed me, and they've not been complaining and groaning and grumbling, but they have been testifying and testifying. Keep it up, boy, keep it up. Give them more, give them more, give them more until they can't take no more, and I'll change their bodies. I'll change their bodies. As I seek the Lord, he hears me and delivers me from all my fears. My heart will not be troubled or afraid. God has given me peace. The Lord will provide me with the desires of my heart. I will praise God because his loving kindness is better than life. My life is in the Lord's hands like clay in the hands of the potter. I got more, you want more? The Lord will supply all my needs. My morning will be turned into dancing. Oh, hallelujah. My morning will be turned into dancing. Look out, devil, I feel it coming on. Oh, my bitterness will be turned into joy. My sadness will be turned into a great exaltation of his name. Mm. My sorrows will be turned into joy. I belong to God. He will deliver me from all calamities. I won't be defeated by what I have to face. The peace of God rules in my heart. I will not be afraid. My strength is found in the Lord. God will never fail me or forsake me. I'm not in this alone. Hallelujah. I'm not in this valley. I'm not in this battle. I'm not in this low place alone. God is with me. God will never fail me or forsake me. Praise the Lord. I will always rejoice, pray, and be thankful in all things. I will trust God with all my heart. I'm not gonna rely on my own knowledge. I am blessed with strength and peace. As I wait on God, my power is renewed. God is a healer of my diseases. My youth will be restored. Woo! <laughs> now, whenever I was a young preacher, that scripture didn't mean near as much to me as it does now that I'm a 66-year-old man. <sighs> when I am weak, God gives me more strength. I will prosper and be in health. The Lord will cause blessings to overtake me. We got this thing backwards. We got it figured out that we got to go chase down mercy. We got to chase down peace. We got to chase down joy. We're in, the, we're in the wrong position. The devil has done the switcheroo in our minds. God said, "David, anointed of the Lord, said His blessings will overtake me. It ain't joy; you're having to hunt for it. Joy, and say slow down there, slow down, let me catch up. I got a bunch of joy here. You go, here's a whole big Monday's Lord worth of joy. Boy, how many knows they need joy on Monday? How many knows a little bit of peace on Monday? Well, you know what? God wants them to chase you down, but you're saying, well, I hope I can survive Monday.' I hope you can too, because talking the way you're talking is gonna be tough." What if at least three of you, My. three of you, out of all the hundreds that are here today, if three of you got up in the morning and your feet touched the floor and you say, glory to God, glory to God. Glory I'm changed. Amen. That sermon yesterday turned me upside down, inside out. I'm right. a changed man. I'm a changed woman. Right. I realize I don't have to put up with the lot of this junk I've been putting up with. Right. All I need to do is talk about the goodness of God. I need to talk about who I am in Christ Jesus. Yes, there is a heaven, yes, there is a mansion there and one of them's got my name rolled all over it. Hallelujah, I've got a savior, I've got a redeemer, I've got a healer. My children are going, my husband is gonna be saved. My wife is gonna be saved. Look out devil, here they come. God told the children of Israel, if you obey me in the book of Deuteronomy, my. chapter 28, if you obey me and keep my laws, I'll cause my blessings to overtake you. Overtake. Right. Now, most of us run from sadness, oh, heavy heart. Can you imagine the goodness of God just loads you down so much? You just find yourself running from goodness. Wait, wait a minute, goodness. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, joy. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm just so happy. People think he's on something, man. Well, I'd like to have a copy of that script. When you Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's Acts 2.38. It's a baptism of the Holy Ghost that'll give you peace in the middle of hell. And the daughter, do you actually believe that? I actually believe that a man or woman can live so close to God that the devil don't know what to do with you. The devil's got most of us figured out so well that by 10 minutes after eight on Monday morning, we're defeated for the next three days. Because we check our Facebook post. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If that's what it does to you, know you've scoffed me for years, some of you have, preaching against Facebook, what if I quote to you a psychiatrist who is now warning their children of spending so much time on social media, and especially affecting girls and women by a 60% margin, that girls and women, by looking at Facebook and social media, causing them to be more depressed and more sad and more to be ungrateful for. Oh my, we ought to think upon his word and think upon his mercy. If you want a Facebook, put your face in his book. (laughs) Well, glory to God, put your face in his book. It'll give you joy, it'll give you peace. Even when you think you ain't got no reason to live, he gives you a reason to live. Can I have a few more minutes? <laughs> I am blessed with strength and peace as I wait on God. My power is renewed. God is the healer of my diseases and my use. You say you've already read that. I know. I'm going to read it again. My use is going to be restored. When I am weak, God gives me more strength. I will prosper and be in health. Right. And the Lord will cause blessings to overtake me. My children, Deuteronomy 28:4, even my children will be blessed. Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Deuteronomy 28:6. I'm a new person in Christ. The past won't be held against me oh praise the Lord I am a new person in Christ Jesus my past will not be held against me I go boldly to God with my troubles he understands what I'm going through this bad situation is only temporary Can you imagine some of you all saving these on your iPhone or your Droid or whatever it is you use and you get them out every day? You're going through Dunkin' with your donut in your hand, (laughs) sipping on your coffee. And today you skip out on MSNBC. You don't check on the price of gold and the price of silver, but you go to looking at your confession so that you can be renewed. Hallelujah. When I am weak, then I am strong. He is my deliverer. He is my God. Oh, Brother Donnie, inflation's going up. I ain't worried about inflation going up. I'm more concerned about me going up, and you going up with me. That's what I'm concerned about. Oh yeah, inflation's going up, but I ain't preaching about inflation. I'm preaching about your faith muscles getting so inflated with the power of God that you can't think the world can't stand you no more, that you say, goodbye world, goodbye. God will keep me stable as I give him my burdens. I seek God and he rewards me. No one can pluck me out of God's hands. My enemies, (laughs) my enemies come at one way, but they flee away from me seven ways. Can you imagine that dumb devil here? He comes after you again. My goodness, you walk out of here and some of y'all is gonna be like an arsenal of atomic warfare. Putin is warning the West. He's warning the United States. I'm gonna shoot y'all satellites out. I'm gonna do this and that and the other. Well, we're warning hell today. Look out, devil. Here we come as that mighty, invincible army of God. We're not here to absolutely save everybody on the world. We're not here to march around with banners in our hand. We are sent here to be. The banner. I don't want to carry a banner on my shoulder. I want to be the banner that there is a living God. Mm. So they come at me one way. And when I get done with them, they leave seven. Well, y'all can look at it that way. I was gonna go to church today. That old devil, bless his holy name. I got up and I couldn't find my socks. Kids spilled Kool-Aid all over the table. Isn't it amazing you go to Walmart, hardly nothing'll happen. You get up and go to church on a Sunday morning, it seem like everything tears up. Your new toaster spits out in the muffins and you put toast in there. And how in the world your microwave blowed up and your coffee ain't working. Boy, some of you all have to have that coffee on Sunday morning. There ain't no way you can be a Christian without that coffee. Ain't no way in the world I can go to church today. I'll tell you one thing. I've been through one thing or another. That means the devil is scared to death. He's been looking over my shoulder. He's been looking over the man of God's shoulder and said, if that man preaches that, I'm in trouble. I've gotta do everything I can to stop the preacher. And if I can't stop the preacher, I'll stop this one and that one and that one. I'll talk them into staying home, but you need to come in if you gotta drag yourself in the back door. Brother Downey, nice.
1: huh?
0: I made it. Yeah. The Lord will give me prosperity in every area of my life. Every, every. Windows of heaven right. are open to me and blessings are poured out to me more than I could ever receive. I walk by faith and not by the obstacle standing in front of me today. I trust in God's word. It is light for me when I cannot find my way. Everything will turn out well in the end. Romans 8:28. For those whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And Paul goes on to tell us all things. Work together for the good to them who are called to serve the Lord, called according to his purpose. God has stored up, stored up goodness in abundance for me, but some of us have got it like this. Come on now. Don't give Donnie much now, just. All right, Donnie, that's yours. From the time he got saved as a 12-year-old boy till the change or death. I'm not sure what version you're reading, but that don't go along with the King James. (laughs) My God has stored up goodness. He's got vats. He's got storage rooms of goodness and mercy. As David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (sighs) We ain't gonna get done, so let's just stand. I am committed to the Lord, so he establishes my life's plans. As I trust in the Lord, I'm filled with joy and peace. As I serve the Lord, he takes sickness away from me. God is my refuge and strength, always ready to help me in times of trouble. God gives me strength when I am weary and increases my power when I am weary. And the Lord Jesus says, now, children, anointed my servant to put these things together for you. Walk out of here today as an armed people of God. Does God expect us to change overnight? He does not, but he does expect us to change. You can you imagine the Lord Jesus? Let me close this because I got a bunch more. <laughs> can you imagine the Lord Jesus waiting in heaven daily, brother John, to hear what are you going to tell me today, John? Uh-huh. Come on, John boy, tell me what you going to tell me. What you going to tell me about how great I am, John? Yes, sir. What you going to tell me, Carol? Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Now we can spend most of the day complaining. And, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm tried. I don't understand why I go go through this. The devil will worry you about with them words. I don't understand. And just face facts. A lot of it we'll never understand. No way. So why should I spend all of my time saying I don't understand? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. No matter how many voices I say it, and when it's all said and done, I still won't understand. So why shouldn't I feel my mouth? With such things as this. And we will make these available for you so you can download them on your phone. In case you're wondering, there are apps where you can make and hear yourself saying these things. You say, how do you know that? Because I've gotten one and I've got my voice saying it. I am healed, I am saved, I am delivered. You see, there's one thing for you all to hear me say it. Brother Ron, man, what a gallant soldier. Fights through sickness, heartache, disease, trouble, and you all admire him, oh my, my. What good does that admiration do you as long as you just admire Brother Ron and don't bring what he's preaching to your own life? You admire great heroes of the Bible and then you, you yourself be a weakling. Bring what they're preaching. The greatest tribute that you can give to Brother Ron, Brother Tim, the different preachers that you listen to is take what they're saying. Amen. Don't make them a god. Don't make them an idol and say, oh, how great, how great, how great, how great. You think that's what they want. You think they want you to idolize them and make them some great big idol? You, you'll make God bring them down before you. Just like He will me if you do me that way the greatest thing you can do for me is take what I'm preaching and fight the devil with it. I don't want you to be Reaganites. We don't want to be followers of men. Well, this is my pastor. This is no. We want to be followers of Jesus Christ, the Word. Let's bow our heads together. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, wow, what great things. Lord Jesus, I I pray that you'd help each of us, Father. We can take these things and ponder over them, think about them, meditate on them. Hallelujah. We know that sheep, many times a real feeding shepherd will give sheep much more than they can ever eat in that service. And they think, oh, I I couldn't get it all, I couldn't get it all. Of course, it's designed that way. It's designed so they will go back and ruminate and feed and feed and feed. Days and weeks and months. Here we are, Lord, still ruminating on sermons. Some of these quotes I read here today started in 1949, 1950, 1951, 1953, said all of those years ago but the Holy Ghost made them so real to us today. Wow, we're still ruminating on that anointed word. Help us, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, Father, for dwelling in the realm of negativity. Being so down. Some people, the only type of criticism that they have, they don't have constructive, all they have is destructive. Everything is negative. They don't have nothing to good, good to say about nobody, no preacher of the church. Instead of coming and saying, wow, what a beautiful place to walk. I don't like the way they painted that ceiling black. I don't like the color of that carpet on the platform. Why in the world they put two screens and they sat there and pick and pick and pick? Bye, bye, bye. Well, Lord, if we're going to pick, I'd like to pick, dig around all the dirt and around all the mud, mess around us and find them golden nuggets that are buried down in God's Amen. Word. Amen. Amen. So I can be a better man, a better Christian, a greater overcomer, Lord God, in my life. We love you today, Jesus. I wonder I want to offer prayer for those of you that's visible and those of you that are home or wherever you are in your office streaming the service, wherever you might be. Greenland, Iceland, Switzerland, France, South Africa, wherever you are around the world, you'd like to be remembered today sit right there in your home you're visible here you say god remember me i'm sorry lord jesus i've not been confessing you i'm sorry i didn't realize there was such power there i pray you'd forgive me help me to be different after today would you mind laying your hand on the person standing near you let's pray together as as a congregation today you visitors in our gates we welcome you too, of course, and we want your heart to be ministered to as well. Now, Heavenly Father is a group of believers. We agree together. We believe, Lord, that what we've heard is the truth. We don't want it to be that it'll go in one ear and out the other, as we say. James called them forgetful hearers, people that hear it, but they don't really apply it to their lives. We don't want to be that kind of people, Lord. I pray you'd help us. Begin with me. Recreate my thoughts. Recreate, Lord God, that which I was born with in this negative world. Fed it to me since a child. We don't even have to learn it, really. It's in our nature. But Lord God, would you help us today? We're not designed to be great as far as the world is concerned. Most of us will never be on the who's who's book, but we do want to make your who's who. We want to be identified as your children. But we don't want to just be saved and constantly live at the foot of the cross. I know some people think that is such a great description to describe a Christian. Well, we know that John was the only disciple, as far as we know, that was there to see you die at the cross. But yet Matthew wrote more about it than John did. The other gospel writers, and why didn't John just write one chapter after another, after another, after another? John wrote about the cross, but he also wrote about election. And he wrote about the mystery of God, and he wrote about so many other things. Because John didn't stop at the cross He knew the cross was the bridge to eternity. So, Father, we don't want to stop at the cross. Lord God, we want the cross to become a bridge to eternity for us. And eternity involves the Word. So it opens up all the things we need in our lives. And heaven consists of the Word. Help us today, Jesus. We love you, Father. Hear our prayer now, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name. And the saint said, Amen. Now, being from Kentucky, there were certain vernacular that I picked up of being a Kentuckian. One of them was that when you was a little boy, especially, and if you said words that you weren't supposed to say. Now, I never had this to happen to me too many times, but it happened enough where I didn't want it to happen again. But mama one time I said something and it wasn't bad words but it was just something smart mouth that I said to her. She, she said little boy you're going to get your mouth washed out with soap. We didn't have dowel. We didn't have antibacterial that smelled and tasted like Lavender. <laughs> but on special occasions, we used lye soap. Some of y'all don't want what I'm talking about, it, do you? Haven't been know what lye soap is? All right, some of you. Well, it didn't take too many times. Now, you say, Brother Donnie, you mean literally, literally. So she puts your mouth over a wash pan, and she gets that lye soap real soapy and sticks that soap in your mouth's and washes your mouth out. Uh No, I didn't see no words laying in that dishpan when she got done. Any of y'all ever had it happen to you? Brother Paul has, all right, some more, okay. Praise the Lord, but today they'd call that child abuse. But I'll tell you, it taught me a lesson that I wouldn't take a million dollars for today. So actually what just happened in this service was, the Lord Jesus had me grab some of y'all by the back of the neck. And hold your mouth over a pan of washing of the water by the Word. And put the soap of the Word of God in your mouth. (laughs) Hallelujah! And wash your mouth out with the soap of the Word. Sing something, Brother Harry. Don't you love him, saints? Don't you appreciate his mercy to us? How many wants to be a better Christian? A better talking Christian? Let's worship him a little.
1: Well, I've got victory over the enemy and the world can't do me no harm. Well, I've got victory Over the enemy And the world Can't do me no harm Well, I've got victory Over the enemy And the world Can't do me no harm I've got victory Over the enemy And the world Can't do me no harm no harm, no harm, no harm, no harm. Well, I've got victory over the enemy, and the world can't do no harm. Well, the devil's always a watch. He's waiting on me to fall. Oh, yeah. But I've been through the storm. I've been through the rain. God's still the same. I know I've got victory over the enemy and the world. the battle scars the show but I've come through the valley of the shadow of death and I fear no evil at all. I've got victory over the enemy and the world. to show. But I've come through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil at all. I've got victory. Oh, believe.
0: Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I said victory over the enemy, and this world came to me no harm. I've got victory over my enemies, and the last one's gonna be death. And the world came to And I looked over Jordan, and what did I see coming for to carry me home? It was a band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Everybody now, oh, swing low, sweet chair. Coming for the carry me home. I'm coming to, coming for to carry me home. Everybody now, oh, swing,
2: Lord we've got the words put in this brother David's sung it a few times and it's been on my heart all week Bless you.
3: thank you for the cross Lord thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame in love you Came and gave amazing grace for the love, Lord. Thank you for the nail pierced hands. Washed me in your cleansing flow. Now all. Or forgiveness and embrace.
2: King. Mm-hmm. service on Wednesday my Jesus